When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old muck of Venice. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. Well, what are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. What's occurring? What is occurring, Luke? Uh, that is done in the a- in the accent of Jasper Philipson. But I thought for so long on Friday stage, I might be saying to you, what's occurring, lad? Because Cav was so close. Oh, mate, that was a great opportunity, wasn't it? It's, um, it's not very often that I'm sat on my sofa watching a bike race and I actually jump off the sh- sofa and go, fucking hell, go on, Cav. I was screaming at the TV. Um... Yeah, close one. I think he got that jump, timed that to perfection. Um, one small thing I did notice as he kicked, there was some cobbles in there somewhere. I don't know if it was on that, but his, his back wheel flicked out and he would, ha- he would have had even more, you know, an extra K an hour going past him if, if he hadn't have lost his back wheel there. But timed it to perfection. Um, but the finish line just come uh, 50 meters too late. So uh, that was an exciting one, eh? It was so tight, wasn't it? And obviously, because Cav is so close to breaking Eddie Merckx's record, we're all watching out for him now. We all know what the white helmet signifies, and we've all recognised his star jersey at this point in the race. With about 3k to go, he didn't look like he was involved, and then suddenly he was in a great position. And for once, the Alpacin lead-out train didn't quite work to perfection. No, they were, they were a little bit... Oh, not lucky, but just the way it developed, they had Danny Van Poppel come over the top, Geordie Muse didn't follow so they just had him that they could uh, use and exploit for an extra you know two three hundred meters which would save their bacon but again in terms of lead outs in the Tour de France and how hard they are to get right you know nowadays you see well no team dominating from two three k out going all the way to the line but they pretty much did that again so it's as perfect a running as you're going to get and I think I think what you got to remember with these lead outs is even if you're not delivered 200 meters to go, top speed, second wheel. It's a lot about how you travel from 5K out to 200 meters to go. So you've seen behind Philipson. If if you watch that back every time, watch a different rider and just see the gaps they're going, the micro accelerations they're having to do, um, the gaps they're going through, near crashes where Philipson from 3K right the way through. I'm on Vanderpool's wheel. There's no big accelerations. I'm not at crazy risk and you can kind of just be a bit more relaxed. So they did a great job in that respect. Almost too good. So, ah, man, that was so close for Cav. And you just feel (laughs) after the stage now, was that that the big chance? Will he have another amazing run like that? I'm sure he will. I hope he does. I think, you know, anyone who's a cycling fan wants him to break that record, even if you're not a massive... Mark Cavendish fan, it's, it's just be a, a special story, wouldn't it? 
Oh, it would be incredible. So right, right, help us out with this, Luke. So if you are a sprinter, you've got a certain amount of power that you can burn. It's a little bit like when you see a uh, a drag racer, isn't it? And you get the nitrous kicks in. You've got a certain amount of top end power to release. When Cav went, did he go at exactly the right point? I think he timed it pretty much to perfection. It wasn't like a super long sprint. It was just, he just lacked that little, that tiny little bit at the end. You've seen him accelerate. Like I said, his back wheel went. If that hadn't happened, he'd have had an even better run at them. And then after he kicked, he sat down and then he tried to go again. So I think, um, yeah, maybe just that 1% of power lacking. But I think he rode an amazing race. And I think one thing with Cav is, you know, he'll always big up his team and say how good his teammates were on the day and how good Astana were because he's a good leader, he's a great guy and he respects his teammates. But for calling a spade a spade, the job they're doing is pretty average or sub-average really. Um, he's not, if you stick him on, if you stick him on the back of what of Vanderpool, he's won a stage already. And um, I think that's kind of quite a big factor that maybe a lot of people don't consider is he's getting looked after up until a certain point and then them last case he's just on his own and he's in that jungle he's in that washing machine he's taking them risks he's doing the micro accelerations we spoke about and to still be there so close to the win you know be consistent over the three stages we've seen is pretty special and actually other than Philipson there might be someone else but I'd argue he's been the most consistent across the three sprints I think it's sixth fifth second off the top of my head so doing that with a minimal team in the last three, four, five K just shows the caliber of him. And he's one of the wittiest, tactically astute riders there is in the peloton. He knew as well, didn't he? Like with maybe 40 meets to go, he knew that Philipson was coming up because he had the little look back and then he glanced across to his left. And to be fair, like Philipson, we're talking about Cav and, you know, we would have loved Cav to have, have won. But when you see someone like Philipson in full flight, people talk about a Rolls-Royce footballer sometimes, don't they? The easy acceleration. Well, the Rolls-Royce analogy doesn't really work for for a sprinter because it's too top-endy. But the smoothness of his acceleration and the economy of his acceleration is something to behold. And also when I, when I look at Philipson's sprint, he's got a very similar stature, sprinting position to what Cav has. You know, he's got his head right over the front. Caleb Ewan took it to extreme a few years ago and has kind of taken a little step backwards, I'd, I'd say, in how extreme that sprinting style was. But his head is really low. He's got that super aerodynamic sprint. And also, I think with Philipson, he can he probably arrives the freshest of the sprinters. If you look at what he does in the classics, if you look at what he did in Roubaix, third in Roubaix, uh, Gent-Wevel, these races, he's he's got that engine to just go deep in one-day races. So... Well, there's a lot of sprinters, or very few sprinters, ride the classics and are actually at the pointy end. So he, he can absorb that workload a lot better than a lot of the sprinters, I feel. So he's, you know, naturally at arriving fresher as well. So, yeah, I mean, he's the man to beat at the moment, isn't he? Three out of three wins, which one thing that baffled me a little bit is you see the, we'll talk about the breakaway after, but I'm going to talk about the chase and the breakaway develops. And straight away, you have two teams contributing. Alpacin, fair enough, and Lotto Sudal. And I'm thinking, why are Lotto Sudal contributing anything? There's been two sprints, the same guys won them both. If I was any other team, boys, it's on you. It's on Alpacin. Nobody should help Alpacin. You go, 
well, the guy riding, he's a mountain climber. He's not going to be there in the final anyway. A three-week grand tour, every little bit of energy you can sap from their team is that bit of energy less that they can use today, tomorrow, in a week to help Philipson. I don't understand why Sudal contributed to the chase even 1%. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them shit. So uh, that was a bit strange to see. I, I know... Some sprinters, they say, oh, I'll put a guy in the front. It gives them confidence. You know, the team believe in me and all this bullshit. But I wouldn't have given them diddly squat. Also, I'm just looking at my phone here and looking at the What's Occurring Predictions League. Um, if it was a good day for Philipson, it's always a good day for Dupluski. Um, That's another three points in the bank for him. He's just disappearing up the road away from us. You had gone for, you've got showing a lot of loyalty to Sammy Wellsford. Um, he's yet to pay it back. No scores on the doors from you today. Um, our friend Geraint has had a stinker. There's no two ways about it. He went big with Wout van Aert. Uh, if he had read the newspapers, as people have often told him to, he would have found out, as we did on social media, that Wout wasn't going for a stage win today. Um, and I've just started to ever so slightly creep my way up. Cheeky two points on the board from me for Cav. It's getting interesting. I mean, we're all fighting for second place. We know that, but it is getting interesting. Yeah, you've slowly, bit surely snuck away up there, haven't you? I think um, Dupluski is running away with it, but to be honest, he's just playing a boring game, isn't it? I mean, if there's a third sprint stage and the same guys won the first two, who's who are you going to pick if you really think about it honestly? You're going to go Philipson, but uh, you've got to like play the game and have a bit of panache, don't you? You can't just go... Got to animate oh, you it, can't just you? say, right, it's a sprint, so I'll pick Philipson. It's uphill, so I'll pick Vinegard or Poggy. Dupluski, you're a great ambassador, but I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, this is um, this is an entertainment business, and you're not very entertaining. You can't just go Phillips in every sprint, Vinny and Poggy every mountain day. Or of course, you're going to run away with it. You have to sometimes go a bit, you know, a bit outfield and go Pino on a mountain day or Wellsford in a sprint. I know you're winning, but Plusky, I know you're listening, and I messaged you last night giving you shit for picking Phillips, and you didn't even reply. So this is my way of getting through to you. Dupluski, I want a bit more panache from you, please. You have prodded the bear. Right, let's have some adverts there. And then when we come back, we'll look back on this slightly crazy first week, shall we? Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Right then, Luke, so we're recording this on Friday evening. We can look back on the first week of the tour. We haven't spoken for a couple of days. You last spoke to G on Wednesday. So thoughts so far? My thoughts are it's been one of the most entertaining first weeks, not just of the Tour de France, but of any Grand Tour for a long, long time. And I think, um, you know, the Tour de France has tried to make the race spectacular with cobbles over the years. Stuff like this. Gravel. Gravel. All this bollocks. The Monstyle starts as well. Remember that one in 2018? What a flop. The crazy gridding yeah. in the... What was that all about in the Pyrenees? Didn't you just go straight to the front? You just went straight from back to front, didn't you, in about five seconds? Yeah, that was... Um, 
my claim to fame of the whole tour I got from uh, if we're talking about motor racing terms I got from P 175 to P1 in about <laughs> 30 seconds and the boys were like yeah I go I went up the outside I went yeah um, that was a flop but at the same time you never if you don't try these things it might have been it might have been different but um, it just goes to show that the riders make the racing and not the parkours um, and it's just it's just been brilliant I mean okay there's been a few sprints with you know, you could say, guy. People use the word boring um, first couple of hours, but you know they are transition stages, and it's about getting from one place to the other. So there's a reason behind that. You can't race balls to the wall every single kilometer, but it's been fantastic. And I think this this duel between Poggy and Vinny is is just uh, it's just pretty special to watch. And this is like a, it's like a, a boxing match, right? Here we go. You'll like this. Like it. It's like a boxing match, you know, round one and uh, and Vinegard like ducks and dives and uh, Poggy tries to throw this haymaker, misses. Vinegard slips a body shot and uh, and Poggy, he's a bit winded, you know. Oh, end of round one. It's a 10-9 round to, uh, to Vinny. And then round two, Vinegard's in this ring and he's just going full gas on... Uh, on Poggy, he's just like, right, I'll just knock him out in round two. I'm going to finish him right here, right now. And he's throwing left, right, and Poggy's just blocking, ducking and diving. And then, bam, Poggy slips it, right hook to the body, and Vinegar's, whip, uh, Vinegar's winded round two. 10-9 point for, 10-9 uh, round for Poggy. And now, Sunday, we're going to see round three. They've had a round each. They've both thrown haymakers, wildly missed and been counted. It's not quite as good as one of yours. It doesn't flow as well. No, I like it. I'm, I'm with it all the way. I was quite wrapped up in that for a while. I was lost my train of thought. I was in the ring. Do you know what I mean? They just, um, they've been going at each other. And, you know, obviously the, the big two talking points, the, the two days, which was uh, yesterday and the day before. So Wednesdays and Thursdays stage where Vinegar took a scalp one day and Poggy took it back the next day. And um, that was just incredible. Nobody... Really thought Poggy could bounce back like that. If he'd have finished with him on that stage, he'd have gone, right, at least he hasn't lost more time and the race is still on. And you heard people saying, ah, oh, the race is over. I never thought the race was over. But these guys are fucking weapons, man. They, they, they know how to fight back. They've been in the trenches. They've had their back against the wall and they fought back. These are, these are tough guys we're talking about. So, um, yeah, it's, it's game on and it's exciting. And like we said at the start of the race, trying to predict the winner was hard. A week in is the same situation. It would have been a shame if there was, you know, big gaps already, but I think it's just been fascinating. Right, I'm going to give you two options here. Your first option is that you are road captain for Yumbo and you're on the bus going back to the team hotel this evening. Your second option is quite a simple one. You're road captain for UAE, right? On which bus are you smiling more? I would have to say Jumbo. Firstly, hmm. firstly they've got the jersey. So they are in the lead. Um, and just the way he took, the way that, that, what he did that day was pretty special. And, um, you know, he took a minute and a K. And I think part of the reason for that was the chaos in the start of the stage. And obviously we spoke about it and UAE missing that big break. And you've seen Poggy jumping around in the start. And I think that had an effect at the end. I think if it was man or man, it probably, Vinegard would have got away, but not by that much. Um, I'm also smiling more on Jumbo's bus because I think they ride in as a team a lot better. Uh, you know, you see them coming into these finishes. They've been incredible. Um, 
as a GC team looking after their leader every day. You know, they, they pick their side of the road. Dylan Van Baal, uh, Benut, Laporte, the way these, they did it again today. Perfectly delivered their GC guy. And I think on a sprint day, if there was a big crash or a spill, they're never going to be in it, which I wouldn't say the same about UAE. I think, you know, they had Trenton up there today, but you look in the last case and, and Poggy's on his own. So a little bit more of a grin on the uh, jumbo bus. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And also, because we've talked about this earlier on in the first week, when we've looked at the relationship between Wout van Aert and Jonas Fingergaard, and we've worried, wondered and worried if there's any sort of stress there and how it might pay off. When you watched Thursday's stage and you saw what Wout van Aert did, that ridiculous pull that he did, it was we've seen it last year in the high mountains as well, but there's absolutely no room watching that on Thursday um, for any doubt about what he knew he had to do and what he wanted to do. No, it's just um, the gift that keeps on giving, and he's just, uh, whenever... He- there's a question mark about what he does or his form or whether he can win or not. He just, he answers it with his legs. And um, yeah, he's, he's uh, we've given him so many compliments and we've said he'd be the first guy on the list if, if you were, you know, creating a Tour de France team. And I think that's still the case. Um, you know, we even criticised him of, is there a bit of, you know, inner rivalry or whatever you want to call it. But seeing the way he rode the other day, Pure devotion um, kind of puts that to bed, doesn't it? And I think he, yeah, despite yesterday Poggy getting a little bit of gap, it was if Wout Van Aert wasn't there in the break and he wasn't there to jump across to, it would have been stalemate in the valley and they probably would have got caught from behind. So, um, yeah, another brilliant ride from him. And it'll be it'll be interesting what, what comes of tomorrow because obviously today he contributed zero. That was obviously the plan. He sat at the back, chilled out. So... Um, yeah, big day tomorrow for him as well. Very big day for him tomorrow. We'll do a proper preview of Saturday in a moment in the third part of the show, and we'll do some listeners' questions as well. My final little question for us, Luke, in this second section, just a little bit more on that rivalry between Pogaccio and Fingergore. They're very different characters, aren't they? And you can see them reacting to stress, all those stresses that come from being in a big stage race. They're reacting a different way. And you can look at Pog, you can look at Snoop Pog, and think that he doesn't feel the pressure because of the smiles and the little jokes and the clowning around with the TV motorbikes. Whereas Vingegaard, it the tension always seems a little bit closer to the surface. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. And having raced both of them and you know, rub shoulders with them in the peloton. And um, I think it's, it's, it's fair to say. I think Poggy is a lot more um, relaxed as a character um, on and off the bike. You know, I've... Um, I've only been out on the source with him once in my life, but it was eventful. Oh, uh, he's yeah, he's a, he's a funny guy. He'll uh, we went out for Eddie Dunbar's birthday, and he was there, and we ended up having a, a good night. And he he can enjoy himself on and off the bike. What's his tipple of choice? Gin and tonic. Feeling supersonic. Well, he was yeah, he was feeling supersonic. Um, but he yeah, they they serve these gin and tonics, and they say the glass is that big, and the gin's filled about that high so it's mainly gin yeah (laughs) yeah so it's so it's gin 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 tonic um but no i think that's that's fair to say i think different characters you know and that's uh that's sport you're not going to get everyone who's you know really extrovert and everyone's introvert i think different people show their character in different ways and, and maybe you go on the jumbo bus and 
and Vinegard is laughing, joking and dancing around. Maybe that's the case, but um, yeah, certainly to the, to the naked eye looking from the outside and a little bit on the inside, that's definitely the way it is. I think uh, Poggy is a relaxed guy. He, I think he works best in that environment where he can just kind of chill out and do his thing. They always say in sport, don't they, that you can't be someone else. So you have to be true to your own character. And Pogs seems to be, and you get the sense that Finger Guy is your classic Dane. You know, he's not going to go clowning around. He's quiet. He's quite respectful. He's self-effacing. So as long as each of them are doing what they do to the best of their abilities, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, be, be it? yourself, isn't it? I think, um, yeah, there's no point trying to, you know, put a mask on and be someone else. But I've just got one more little snippet from today, actually, in terms Ooh, okay. of uh, the breakaway. So four guys jumped. Long story short, three sat up and, and one was away. Later on the stage, two more guys jumped across. They then dropped the original guy from the breakaway. So we're at the situation where, I don't know what it is, 50k to go, and you've got Nans, Peters, and Pierre Latour in the breakaway. And the bunch is chasing, but very conservatively. The gap is small, minute and a half. And the French duo of Latour and Peters just did this typical old school... <laughs> traditionally French move and I loved it where what you do is you go on the break and you ride easy so these two they're tapping away and at a certain moment you just open the taps and go full gas and you lure their peloton in into a false sense of security and they're like right we've been riding along at 40k all day the gap is stable two minutes one and a half two minutes one and a half and then these front two just whack it and suddenly they jump ahead, they get a bit more of a gap. And this can only really work in a tailwind as well, and it was tailwind. And I've seen it done many a time, and they almost pulled it off to perfection, actually. Um, when you think full bunch sprint, and they're actually starting to panic when it was, you know, minute 20, you've seen Tim de Klerk and Alperson, one or two others starting to contribute, and he got caught with three and a half K to go. And it's, it's a typical French move. And like the best in the business at this was Thomas Vockler. You go in the break <laughs> yeah. on an easy day and guys, ah, oh, that's a stupid move. Like where you want to go on a sprint day. And uh, Sylvain Chavanel, he was another great one at it. They go easy mm. all day and the peloton go, right, we got these guys. The gap is stable. It's only a minute and a half. And suddenly 30k to go is a minute and a half. 20k to go is a minute and a half. And he's going full gas, you're going full gas. And if you get the right roads, the right tailwind, use the motos, motos a bit, you can pull it off. So I, you, you've seen them... You've seen it coming, and uh, yeah, it's the best way to ride in the breakaway. Easy, 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 and at a certain moment, when the roads turn in your favour, just whack it full gas. So uh, it was a brave attempt by them, you know, two guys to get so close to the finish. Good, good on them for having a crack. Out of all the things we've discussed in the last two and a half years, that is single-handedly the most disgusting thing <laughs> you've ever asked of me. Hello, my name is Joe. And my name is Tom. And we would like to invite you to listen to The Joe Marler Show. We are on a mission to learn about absolutely everything. Hang on, everything? How are we going to learn about everything? We could start by speaking to someone fascinating like a bomb disposal specialist. That's good. What about someone with a really interesting job that you've never heard of before? Yes, 
Plus, we could speak to people who know amazing facts that will blow your mind. So we're basically saying you should listen to The Joe Marler Show if you want a weekly podcast that has loads of interesting chat that you can repeat to your friends whilst giggling your head off at the same time. I think, Joe, that's exactly what we're saying. If that is the case, just search for The Joe Marler Show and subscribe. Just while we're doing adverts, I've got something to plug. I will be on stage this November in Cardiff and in London for the GTCC live tour. And you can get your tickets now. Tom, you're going to be there, right? Yes, I will. Fact. So this is your chance to join the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in person for the very first time. Yeah, you do not want to miss our very first live show. Yeah, and that's not all. If you buy a ticket today, you will get a signed copy of G's new book. It's out in November and it's all about the greatest rides you can do on your bike across the world. You'll basically be pre-ordering that and you'll get a copy signed by G himself. So if you want the book and you want it signed, then get a ticket for the live show. So we are in London on November the 6th. And in Cardiff on November the 7th. GTCC Live, the greatest ride coming soon to a stage near you. As long as you live near London or Cardiff. Radio sports fans, welcome back. Um, yeah, we did a tweet saying, is there any questions out there? Try and engage a bit with our loyal Watsakuna fans. So thanks for all the questions, guys. We've got a few lined up, which we'll answer. Um, Tom, fire away. I believe you got the list. I have the list, Luke. The first one is from Johnny Power on Instagram. And if we get a better name than Johnny Power, I was in about this list to say, first things surprised. first, what a great name, Johnny Power. That can't be his real name. Anyway. Do you think Johnny Power comes with a certain amount of pressure? Like if you're Johnny Power and you're just a nice, you're about five foot six and you're into reading. It sounds like a, like a superhero name, isn't it? My name's yeah. Power. Johnny Power. Johnny Power. Johnny Power. And I can be invisible and fly. <laughs> anyway, what do you want to know, Johnny? Well, he's on Instagram, so if he can fly and he's invisible, we can find out. Um, the question from Johnny is, who is the standout rider of week one? Interesting question, Johnny, because it depends how you define this. It's tough and there's many different angles. Um, I'm going to break it down from a domestique angle. Sepkus, he's nice. ripped the race to bits. From a winner's angle, it's hard to argue with three sprints out of three sprints. Um, and from a bit of a you know, wild card, underdog option, I've got to go back to Victor Lefay. That was incredible. Mm, um, Monsieur Lefay. Yeah, yeah, Monsieur. That was... You know, someone who you wouldn't really talk about with the utmost respect at all before the Tour de France. And he won an amazing stage. So there's my three standouts. I will chuck in because the Tour rolls on so quickly, we can forget stuff that actually was quite recent. I will chuck in Yates Jr. Um, for what he did on that first stage and the imagery of him and his brother riding towards the finish line. So I'll lob him in the mix. Um, other people to have animated the race. Nielsen Paulus has been having a lot of fun, although Geraint is very upset about the polka dot short to go with his King of the Mountains polka dot jersey. Your thoughts on that briefly? Yeah, we had a bit of a disagreement in the WhatsApp group, didn't we? Nielsen, mm -hmm. I love it, son. I absolutely love it. And uh, we've seen uh, Felix Gal. He went full gas, top, <laughs> bottoms, polka dot. And I love it. I think it's so special. To wear any jersey in any Grand Tour, even for a day, just embrace it. Go full gas. So, uh, yeah, don't listen to G. Keep up the good work, boys. 
Okay, Johnny Power, there is your answer. This question comes from Jamie Narrigan. Which rider has left you the most confused with their tactics slash strategy at this point? I guess Wout van Aert. Back to him, he's had a scratch on the heads a few times, hadn't he? But in the end, as it's all unraveled, it's all ended up well. Um, so probably scratching our heads, but unjustifiably. Um, other than that, obviously the big balls up with UE letting that break go with Jai Hindley. That's the that's the biggest uh, tactical mess up in the tour. And obviously, it's not a decision they made. It's just you know when you're in that race and everyone's attacking, you sometimes don't know who's in the road up, up the road. And you know it wasn't a choice, a tactical choice, but it was a tactical failure. So, um, yeah, it's got to be that. What about you? What are you thinking? Yeah, I like to think in UAE there was this certain amount of confusion when word got around that Jai Hindley was in that break, that one of the riders said to one of the other riders, um, you know, Jai Hindley's in the break. And the other one said back to him, sorry, for a second, I thought you said that Jai Hindley was in the break. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've been there. Oh, it's good, good for us, that break, isn't it? And then... Yeah, 90%, 99% short. No, that, that's a good break. There's no one in there. And then the numbers come through over the radio. Guys, so-and-so, so-and-so at 1 minute 30 in GC. And it's that moment, it sinks in. You go, mm. oh, fuck, we're in for a day here, boys. <laughs> We've all done it. So, you know, it's easy to criticise UAE, but, you know, I've been part of a team and made bigger balls. Up. No, I, I, no, actually, no. I've never made a bigger balls up than that. But, um, yeah, you make it balls up and you just go, right, we're in for here, boys. We messed up. Let's put it right. And uh, yeah, they pretty much did that, to be fair, didn't they? They did. Um, here is a question from Kate on Twitter, which sort of links into what we're talking about there. Kate asks, do you think Ineos made a mistake pacing in the break with Jai Hindley on stage five when he could potentially be Carlos's main podium rival? Kate says, not a criticism. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but I'm interested in the tactics and the strategic decisions. Yes, I think it's a mistake. Um, so we had Omar and Danny Martinez in the breakaway. Now, bearing in mind, this breakaway was 40, 50 riders with Jai, with multiple teammates. There was a lot of guys in there with GC, you know, who could have hopped up the GC considerably. There was guys who could have taken the yellow jersey, as Jai did. Um, and what we were backing was Omar to ride for Danny to get the stage. After seeing what I've seen the past month, six weeks, is Danny Martinez the favourite within a group of 50 to win the stage, bearing in mind who was in there? Probably not. So I think you ride in a group only when it's of massive advantage to you or if you have the, the favourite. If it's not advantageous or you don't have the big favourite, never ride. So, I mean, for me, it was a two-pronged attack. We, I wouldn't have backed Danny as much as they did that sounds horrible. He's a teammate, but I wouldn't have backed Danny as much as they did. And also they were pulling GC guys away who we are now fighting for the podium with. So you got Rodriguez fighting for the podium and Tom fighting for the podium against Jai, who now has an advantage because of that. So, and again, like she said, hindsight is a beautiful thing and um, it's easier being an armchair critic. But looking back, yeah, I think it was a mistake to ride. There you go, Kate. Next question, Luke, is from... I think it's Gilbert Miller, unless he is French or Belgian, and his name is actually Gilbert Miller. Let's call him Gilbert Miller. Gilbert says, uh, quite a matter-of-factly, it's a two-horse race. 
Then he says, outside of a crash, what's the best way that someone in third to 10th place on the GC can get time back on the top two? I think the only real way is these long distance breakaways and and exactly what we saw a few days ago with this with this big breakaway is, you know, being attentive in the start. Uh, there's um, Gilliam Martin from Cofidis. He he does it almost every Tour de France. He's he's there or thereabouts. He loses a bit of time, loses a bit of time. He's down to twelfth in GC. He's off the radar a little bit. He gets in a break. He gets six minutes back. He's back in the top ten. He loses it. He loses <laughs> it, and he does it again and again. And um, we've seen. We've seen it done over the years many a time. Um, you know, Jack Haig finished third in the Vuelta uh, two, three years ago. Uh, and that was through getting in a break and getting time back. Okay, he rode, um, he was strong throughout the race, but he took a big chunk of time through getting in a break. And I think these guys from fifth to tenth, uh, and now, well, certainly after a few more mountain stage, we we'll, should be at a gap where they might be able to go in the break and get some minutes back. And that's for me, the, the best way to do it. Cause if you go, if you go man on man with these guys, um, it's not going to end up well for you. I haven't seen what we've seen the last couple of days. Yeah. It's all about the stealth maneuver, isn't it? There you go. Gilbert Miller, the stealth maneuver is the way to actually, go. Actually you say this, um, um, Gilbert Miller is actually Ian Boswell, uh, ex-professional. He said something a few years ago, many years ago. He said, Hey, you know, like Philip Gilbert, like, it's such a cool name, Philip Gilbert. But like, if you were British, it would be like Philip Gilbert. It's so not cool, man. <laughs> and it's true, isn't it? You know, like, hey, I'm Philip Gilbert. But in Britain, it'd be Philip Gilbert. It's just not cool, is it? So it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a complete transformation of it, isn't it? Yeah, it's got panache when you say Gilbert. What's the, I'm trying to think what the uh, English equivalent of Tade is. Dave? <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Pogger. <laughs> yeah, we don't have many Tadows in uh, back in Blighty, do we? We don't. Um, let's try and get a couple more questions in. Um, Go on, let's quick fire him. This is from, okay, from Jamie on Instagram. Do you think Pog and Jonas could tire out early and leave the door open for someone else to take the tour? I think that's quite a quick answer. No, they're too strong. There we go. Dan Nielsen asks, I agree. Dan Nielsen asks, do you think Wout has the ability to become a tour winning GC rider if he wanted to? I like this question because my kids ask me about this all the time because they go, well, he's so good. Why couldn't he? I think the big thing there, which was part of the question, if he wanted to, um, he'd have to lose a lot of weight. Well, I don't know. He'd probably have to shed a few kilos, get down to the bare minimum. Um, maybe not go so well in the classics, which is obviously quite close to his heart them races aren't they so ditch the cyclocross yeah but I think I think he could I uh, yeah as scary as it sounds I think he probably could yeah right before we finish Luke we record this as quickly as we can after the finish of each day's stage while we've been talking Mark Cavendish has also been talking you might quite like what he has to say this is talking about the finale on Friday. I was in quite a good position. It looked like I was far back, but I was okay in where I wanted to be. It's a long straight finish. Seas Bowl had moved me up with good speed in the last kilometre. I was on the right wheels. I kicked a little earlier than I'd like, but actually still about the same time as I did in 2010. That's so cav, isn't it? That sort of memory. Once I kicked, I started. The gears jumped from the 11 to the 12, sort of spotted by Luke Rowe. I had to sit down, also spotted by Luke Rowe. 
cadence just whacks up. Then it goes back into the 11th. I tried to stand up, spotted by Luke Rowe. I needed to sit down. Okay. There was nothing you could do except kind of hope. I'm bitterly disappointed there. I'm really disappointed, but we keep trying. We can be positive. Oh, there you go. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we spotted that, didn't we? It was, um, he did lose that momentum. He, He was coming with speed and he did come with even more speed. And it was strange the way he came over the top and then sat down like that quite uncharacteristic for Cavs. So yeah, that's, that's got to hurt the way. I mean, he probably whacked in with like 150 meters to go. So he rode it. He rode it perfect. Hang on. The reason I'm a bit pausing here, I've just had a message back from Duplusky. He replied, spice it up a bit, Duplusky. So I think he's talking to himself, but moving on to (laughs) Duplusky, he's obviously part of our um, predictions team. Who are you thinking for tomorrow, mate? It's a long one tomorrow, isn't it? 200 kilometres. 200k. Um, few four. Flat to start with. A little bit lumpy towards the end. Um, little sort of a classics feel to the end bit. Is it? Do you reckon that's one of the reasons why Wat van Aert was, was chilling his boots today? Because he's got his eyes on a prize on Saturday? I think he's got more eyes on today. Um, sorry, t- tomorrow than today, yeah. And also... I think tomorrow could the group could thin down slightly, which I th- but also I think in the back of their mind is a bit of the safety aspect. You know, they don't want him to go for it and crash. And if it's a harder stage, it'll suit him better. I mean, when we say harder stage, we're talking about two fourth category climbs, 1.3 and 1.2 kilometers long and 5.5 and 5.4% average gradient respectively. So not hard climbs, but enough to take the edge off. Um, so is that you're going to go for? Yeah, I am. I've, I've talked myself into it. Do you know what? I, uh, I was going to go Van Art as well. Right, I'm going to have to I'll go back to the drawing board. Well, no, listen, you can, you can go for the same rider if you want when we are sort of stalking each other up the leaderboard. Um, if that's your tactic, you know, to wait for me to make my call and then follow me so be it. The thing is, what does the head say here? Philipson. But it's just boring. Like, I, I'm not a favourites man. You've got to, you know... Uh, you got to roll the dice. Yeah, you got you got to roll the dice, and yeah, I mean, if anyone fixed Philipson again tomorrow, then I think we just boot them from the group. <laughs> Whoever there is, the admin is, just just remove them. Um, Should there be a limit on the number of times that you can either name the same rider, or that you can go for the bookmaker's favourite? Like you have to play the bookmaker's favourite card only four times across the three. Well, do you know what we could do? Reverse GC, and you can't pick the same person. So what? Like whoever's last, probably me or Gino actually, get to pick first and you can't pick the same person. Yeah. We could spice it up a bit, couldn't we? That's better. I mean, it's a bit weird changing the rules halfway through, but we need to do something to bring Dupluski to his knees because he's romping away with it. I mean, he just guesses people. He has no input. He's, he's you know, we can just, we can flick him. Don't worry about that, mate. Um, so you're going Matt Van Aert. <laughs> I'm going to go. Yes. My heart says Cav. I would just love to see it. Um... Fuck it, Cav. Come on, mate. Come on. Backing him. Especially after hearing about this uh, issue today. Yeah. Come on, Cav. Go on, lad. Right. You heard it here first. Those quotes uh, that I read out were from Eurosport. We should give them credit. So thank you to uh, for those Eurosport. Luke, you enjoy your weekend. I believe, is it you and me getting back together on Sunday evening as Garrett has a unfeasibly long period of time away from the podcast? Dream team. Dream team. Me and you, mate. We'll conquer this world. Um... Oh, 
actually no we'll save that for the next pod the centurion challenge that's that's for another that's for a rainy day we'll conquer that one next time mate mega that been a pleasure see you on sunday see you later bud. ciao ciao